Welcome, Black Kings and Queens, to Black Mind Chronicles. I'm your host, Chase Jackson. This podcast is a journey into the questions, stories, and mindsets of Black men and women on the topic of mental health and mental illness. We all often talk about so many things, but the one thing that matters, our own well-being. So let's dive in and start that conversation. In this episode, we're going to discuss racial identity. What is racial identity and what does it mean to be black? We'll talk about both of these things and more. My guest for this episode is Dr. Damian Davis. Dr. Davis is a founder of the Davis Counseling Center, PLLC. Dr. Davis believes in taking a holistic approach to counseling, which means viewing the person in their entirety. Whatever the presenting problem, it is part of a bigger picture and is connected to other aspects of the client's life. Dr. Davis received his PhD in counseling at Texas A&M University Commerce, Go Lions. His area of focus includes anxiety and stress, adjustment issues, depression, family issues, relationship issues, bipolar disorder, suicidal ideation and attempts, and more. Ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Damian Davis. Well, Dr. Davis, I want to thank you for coming on the show, and I know it's been a, been a busy week, but I appreciate your time. Oh, you're very welcome. I appreciate the uh, uh, opportunity to speak and definitely impressed by what you've been able to put together and, and looking forward to, uh, to our conversation. All right. So our topic for today is racial identity. And when I read your bio, it, it just sort of stuck out to me because of the current time that we're in dealing with police brutality and dealing with, you know, just what, what it, what does it mean to be black in America today? You know, it, do we have to deal with all these things that are coming down on us over these years? So what does it mean to be black? What, what is racial identity? Um, I researched, I had some findings from the Smithsonian and it said that the dictionary's definition of race is incomplete and misses the complexity of impact on lived experiences. It is important to acknowledge that race is a social fabrication created to classify people on arbitrary basis of skin, color, and other physical features. Although race has no genetic or scientific basis, the concept of race is important and consequential. Societies use race to establish and justify systems of power, privilege, disenfranchisement, and oppression. And it goes on to, it continues to say, the notion of race is a social construct designed to divide people into groups ranked as superior or inferior. The scientific consensus is that race, in this sense, has no biological basis. We are all one race, and that's a human race. But racial identity, however, is very real. And in a racialized society like the U.S., everyone is assigned a racial identity whether they are aware of it or not. So any, any thoughts on that? I think all that's very profound. Uh, if you think about race uh, from a macro standpoint, many times race is defined as how it is different from the dominant culture. And when I say dominant culture, I'm referring to white Americans. Many times race is defined as how does it differ 
from what has been defined as normal or the acceptable code. Mm -hmm. So if you think about race, many times when people are talking about it, they are not attributing positive characteristics to it. They are telling you how it is different from um, what America has defined as the appropriate race. I think and what I hope is going on now is you're you're seeing this renaissance among people of color and Mm -hmm. this moment, especially black people, to where uh, they are no longer accepting of the label that has been attributed to them by the dominant culture, but now are remixing it and showing pride in their skin color, showing um, pride in their melanin, pride in their ethnicity, pride in all these different things that one point were used to criticize and bring them down they now are using as a source of uplifting things and and pridefulness and and no longer being okay with um, not being treated as a full citizen simply because they look different Uh, i think the problem with race is that as the definition said it is used to create hierarchy and many times the reason it's, it's tough to change those hierarchies because if you change a hierarchy, you're asking the person in power to bring you to their level. And sometimes that is a tough pill to swallow for mm-hmm. those who are experiencing some of the benefits of the power that they uh, that they have been given. Right. Um, so I think from, from that standpoint, race is, is, is extremely <laughs> extremely complex and you're right it is a social construct Uh, it is not biological but because it has been used as such a measuring device Mm -hmm. we've now redefined it to where being black means a whole lot to me right right and even over the years um i've seen as you said you know black becoming more one acceptable to others but acceptable to ourselves Mm-hmm. Um, even as simple as, you know, the hair, wearing our hairstyles, natural hairstyles, especially for women in the workplace, you know, afros and poofy hair back then, you know, you, you didn't do it because it wasn't socially acceptable. It was considered mm-hmm. messy. But um, today, even thanks to lawsuits, <laughs> um, it's right. Now, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that that helps too. it, it helps to um, bring about change that's needed and companies. Um, even themselves, especially in light of, I'll say the past two weeks, in light of the past two weeks, companies have been coming back and saying, um, or giving their statements on racial equality and just the changes in their workforce. You know, CEOs are giving their messages of this is what our company stands for and this is what we're going to do to fight against it, you know. Mm-hmm. And I do agree with somebody's comment I saw um, on social media that said, you know, I thank you for your pledges against racism in your company, but show me the receipt. Show me what your company's doing to change it. Show me your policies. Show me your board. Show me, you know, the physical proof of what you're going to do. And I mean, this is it, coming about to a change now. And I think that hits a nail on the head because donations are great. Uh, given to organizations of color are great, but those things are temporal. Right. They can easily go away. When we're talking about structural change and true equality, that's more lasting. And so those things in of themselves, changing people's thinking and perspectives and, and all of those things, changing hierarchies and, and, and systematic um, discriminatory practices, mm-hmm 
that is more long lasting than just a thousand dollar donation to the you know United Negro College Fund. Right, right. That's 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 a good point. Like, I could talk about that forever, but we're gonna continue on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got I got a map. Hold on. <laughs> uh, um. So I wanna I wanna ask you, Doc. You know, you know what does it mean to be black? Oh man, that's a loaded question. You gonna start off with that one? Huh? Uh, <laughs> I'll ask again. What does it mean to be black in America? You know, for for one, um, when you think about when you think about race, it has two defi- it has two definitions of it. To me, two mm-hmm. two two experiences of it. Okay. To me, there is when you are a person of color, there is what what everyone else says about you. Right. And meantime, those are the negative stereotypes that are fed to you through media, heck, through school systems, mm-hmm. through interactions with people who look different from you. And so, so many times you're fed those things in a subconscious, subliminal way right. that they start to get ingrained in you where you start to believe the lies. You start right. to believe um, you start to believe the negative stereotypes themselves. So you get that definition. And then where you try to grow to is creating your own definition of what it means to wear the skin you wear or to have the hair you have or to have the experiences that you have. And then you have to kind of juxtapose those things against each other and figure out which one of these actually means more to me, which one is the real one. Um, when you whittle that down to what it means to be black, oh my gosh, that is a is a complex, complex um, question you're trying to seek an answer to. What I do know is that there's great diversity in diversity. So mm-hmm. when you think about black culture, we all are so different. Mm-hmm. We all have different interests and different talents mm-hmm. and different skills and all those things. To me, what it means to be black isn't the individualized things is more the collective things. To me, what it means to be black is you have this appreciation and connection and understanding of the struggle that your people have got have had to go through historically and in contemporary times to get to where they are. So you really, really have this great appreciation for all the overcoming and the strife and all those things to get to where you are. Right. And that somewhat forms this connection between black people. And then you take that and multiply it to, we all have this, um, this not fully agreed upon path, but we have this direction of where we want to go. We mm-hmm. understand that the fight for equality is not done. But to me, being black is simply just connection to the past and the journey to get to where you are now. And also a, um, a desire, a, responsibility to push the culture forward as well that don't mean we all listen to rap music right. or we all watch uh real housewives of atlanta you know it, it, right. it means that we just have this connection between each other and those more individualistic things can be very different you can still be just as black <laughs> you're right real housewives of atlanta like hadn't seen it yet <laughs> um but now look and when it comes to the movies especially the movies and media and, mm-hmm. you know, the things that really change our perception on that note, I'm going to say that we also haven't really helped ourselves in that fashion. Well, let me let me try to rephrase this in a, in a better way. Mm-hmm. That we enable some of that by going and continuing to watch some of those films. And we still haven't had a spotlight until um, Tyler Perry, Spike Lee and the others to be able to produce our own types of movies that you know, push put us in a bit of light. So most mm-hmm. times when they when we had a whole bunch of slave movies and 
movies where we're cast as thugs and thieves, you know, we go see those movies, those movies make more money, and then yeah. more of those movies get produced, seeing us in that negative light. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm going back to the, the thing it's called grassroots where we need to put ourselves in places where we need to be or where we should be. So that's mm-hmm. the back office of the box office and in the Emmys and yes. Grammys places, those like that itself to make those changes that we need. And, you know, I think it's multifaceted because I those movies in and of themselves, the, the movies that capture mm-hmm. slavery and Jim Crow and all mm-hmm. that stuff. Nothing's wrong with that. We don't want that forgotten because right. we know that um, th- th- there is a push to by by a sector of the population to forget those things. Mm-hmm. I think the problem with Kerr is when that's all we get. Right. <laughs> that's, that, that's where it stops. Right. There's nothing different. Yes. Yes. Right. Well, we don't see the um, we don't see the successful black family or the black family that's not surrounded by drama or, right. or or those kind of things, right? They're just kind of regular folks who live in their life and their experience. And that, that's uh, so why I the Cosby show was so successful. Absolutely. I mean, it really changed things. And then the spinoff around a different world right. showed all these all of these black kids and, and and kids of color getting educated, right? right, and, right. and and all all these and then along comes family matters and the dad is a cop and the family's successful and all those things. So there was this uh, shift to where, oh, they can do that. And if you want to go even further back, the, the Jeffersons, yep. where um the, the, they are a successful family and a successful business owner, yet um culture and race is heavily a part of the show as well. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> I remember a few episodes. Heavily a part. <laughs> I remember a few episodes. <laughs> Can you say yeah. that on TV? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they pushed the envelope for their time. Yeah, yeah. Look, and even for this for these times that wouldn't be on TV. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Man. Yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. Um, um like you said, it's our it's our like experiences combined that sort of give us a I wanna say a roadmap of you know where we've been to where we are now, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and I and I think too when you are when you are a black person, there are naturally some things that just are not fair that maybe many of our white brothers and sisters don't have to think about, but it mm-hmm. kind of comes with being black. So the, the, the prime thing I think of is when you become a a let's say resume successful black person, <laughs> you become financially successful, get the good job, the college education, the house and all that stuff. It's important that you not forget the people who have not gotten to where you are, who look like you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's an expectation that many people of color have that maybe other cultures don't have to think about, uh, but you don't want the buck to just stop at you. You want, as I was saying earlier, part of connecting is pushing the culture forward. You want to be, you want to make sure you are doing something that pushes the next generation even further to what your current generation is at. Right. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp, that's H-E-L-P, is an online portal that provides direct-to-consumer access to behavioral health services. The online counseling and therapy services are provided both online as well as through text messages. BetterHelp will help assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. The service is available for clients worldwide. You can start communicating in under 24 hours. You can log into your account at any time and send a message to your counselor. There's a special offer for Black Mind Chronicle listeners. You get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash blackmind. 
we're back. Um, I remember something, I guess, back in the day on TV. They said, you know, no matter how, how rich you get, you're still black at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's still how they see you, no matter where you come from. I know right now that uh, Congress is trying to push through police reform uh, in the light of kind of George Floyd and all mm-hmm. these things. Mm-hmm. And right now, I don't know if it's going to pass, but it's being spearheaded by the only black Republican senator. I think his name is Tim Scott. And I watched an interview with him, and he says he's a senator, and he got pulled over nine times in one year by mm-hmm. the police. Mm-hmm. And in most of those incidents, he could not uh, – articulate what he had done that was so wrong to be stopped by the by, by a police officer and so here's a man who's one of a hundred senators in um, the united states and i don't I ain't, i'm not even talking about his politics if you agree with him but he's a black man who was a senator and yet that level of prestige and status did not remove him being pulled over nine times which you know, may have been a factor of his of his racial ethnicity may have been a factor in some of those stops. Right. Um, I forget who else it was. Well, during the during the riots that they had in some of the cities and protests that mm-hmm. they had, um, in the midst of all that, all that, I think somebody, um, the mayor in Minneapolis, got arrested. And I'll go back. Oh, and wow, I missed that. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it's a black black man. He was either he's a representative, a mayor, or somebody. He was somebody uh-huh, of importance, uh-huh. government official, and he's he also got arrested. Like they <laughs> they they were taking everybody. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, you know, I mean, you think back to the civil rights movement. That was a normal thing to do. You mm-hmm. get arrested mm-hmm. because this means so much to us that we're going to flood the jail system with these minor offenses just right. to prove that uh, it is worth. The cause is worth the little inconvenience for me to go to jail. Right. It's worth the cause. Right. And then, Civil disobedience. There you go. <laughs> That's it. So let's let's move on to to my third point. So can certain experiences certify you <laughs> as black? But I think we already we already covered that. Yeah. Do you want the politically correct answer or the real answer? <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, give me the real I mean, answer. There, there's literally a game called Black Car Revoke, where if you don't know these certain facts, that we start to question. Uh, <laughs> uh, that, that, there's a game. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's actually it's actually a game called really? Black Car Revoke, where okay. you go through these. I think you can get on Amazon, but you can get anything on Amazon. Where right. you go through these questions, and they ask a question, and whatever majority rule is is mm-hmm. the answer to the question. So. It, and they ask, oh, okay. uh, you know, it, it just it could be some 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 question, and then if it's ten of you guys playing and six of you pick one one answer, then that that is the answer to the question. And so, uh, you kind of keep score and keep points, and the person who's not giving as many points, they could have their black card revoked. So you it's a pretty what? cool game. I think I understand. <laughs> Look, probably a few years ago, I I had just saw the movie Life. Mm-hmm. So until I had seen it. At one of my old jobs, I had my black car revoked. <laughs> yes. You know, certain moves like that. There's, there's, the, there's the, the Coming to America. Yeah. There's the Harlem Nights, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, the Juice. You, certain um, waiting to exhale, soul food. Like, you got to see those. Like, right. you, you don't. Questions are asked about you. <laughs> you see, certain moves I just didn't get to see watching, you know, growing up. I just didn't watch, you know. So, uh-huh. I mean, I'm about to catch up now, but. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. No, I understand. Yeah. So let's jump to the the random Karen encounters. Mm. 
Any any mm-hmm. thoughts on, on this as far as racial identity? I believe it relates to a, a level of white privilege. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I want to take some time to define that because I think a lot of, uh, of white brothers and sisters get offended by mm-hmm. that term because they think when you say white privilege that you're automatically saying that they were giving everything and didn't work for what they got, mm-hmm. which isn't true. Mm-hmm. That is that, that that that's not true. Uh, I would never discredit a person's hard work, and many of them work extremely hard. Just like we work hard to get to where they are. Right. I think the misconception about white privilege is, is that many times when you are a black person, there are extra obstacles you have to overcome that they don't have to experience. Right. And that's the part that gets that gets left out. Um, you you may not have to. Talk to your kids about what you do when you're stopped by a police officer. Mm-hmm. You may have to talk to your kids about why you have to look a certain way when you walk through the mall. You know, you may not have to have some of those conversations. You may not have to be worried if you should use your middle name on your resume instead of your first name because it may sound more ethnic, right? right. So there are, are are certain things that I think are associated with white privilege that really are about what you don't have to experience versus what you were given. So I think many times. Um, um, a lot of people who are white get offended by that because they think you are questioning their work ethic, and that's not it. It's just saying there are some additional obstacles mm-hmm. that many times people of color have to overcome to get to where they are. I think what we're seeing with the random Karen experiences is just entitlements, mm-hmm. straight okay. up entitlement. Yeah, that's a better definition. That Yes, you, you, you're seeing straight up entitlement and that I do think a part of it is associated with their race and the race of the other person. Does that mean they're blatantly racist? No. But does that mean they're, that they view um, that they view race under the correct connotation or the correct context? No. I mean, everyone saw the lady in Central Park. Mm-hmm. Uh, just put on a show. I mean, she went Broadway on us. Like she just straight up, (laughs) she went in the full, she went in the full character mode. And her brother just like, like, this is, this is ridiculous. Like he's the calmest person that you're ever going to hear on the video. And you just have to ask yourself that if he had been a white man, would she have gone to those extremes? Right. Right. Would she had done, would she had done some of those, some, some of those things that she did with him? Mm -hmm. Because I mean, thank God for video. What would have happened if he had not just been there recording? Like, look at this crazy woman. Look at what she's doing. She's literally putting on a show. She used all those key terms and those key words that would um, take us back to the old days where black men were viewed as threats. Right. Um, and she tried to use all of those pejoratives and and negative words and dog whistle words to create this panic in the police coming that she was in fear for her life. And then we got to see, no, nothing is wrong with you. Uh, I don't know if you saw the woman in Las Vegas who actually, the young lady <laughs> slapped her. <laughs> which, saw that too. I, I, did. Did, I do not condone violence. No, but if there's ever a time, then, you know, sometimes these things happen. You know, you have them. Um, my grandmother always told me, don't write checks that your butt can't cash. Right. So when you, when you approach someone with that level of entitlement and then mix in, uh, we're going to kind of send you back to your country and then you violate their personal space. Things are going to things are going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I think what you're seeing as a part of Renaissance I was mentioning earlier is that for so long, black people have been it's been culturally ingrained 
through generations, you've been taught to reduce yourself to make people who don't look like you feel comfortable. You've been taught to, you know, be less of self so that you make those people feel comfortable. And I think what you're seeing with generations now is that, no, I shouldn't have to lessen myself for you to feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. I should be able to bring all of me to the table and you still not see me as a threat and you still see me as 100% of a person with the same humanity that you have. Right. Um. You're talking about not lessening ourselves. I've, honestly, I just opened the book by Dr. Joy DeGruy, The Post-Traumatic Slave Syndrome. Oh, yeah. And even in just her introduction, I didn't even got into the first chapter, but even in her introduction, she talked about how, you know, just things from slavery, how it's how things have been so ingrained and it's carried over to today, but we just don't realize it. So mm-hmm. she talked about mm-hmm. a woman at a bank in her story that... The woman, black mother with children, her she told her black kids, you know, don't move, come back over here. You're not to go roll on the floor. You're not playing around in here. You know, stay by my side. Mm-hmm. And then there was a white mother in the bank, another set of kids, but they're over there laughing, playing, running up to security guards, asking questions, rolling on the floor, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the black child, as a mother gets to the teller to conduct business, the black child sinks below the counter and tries to sneak off. But another black mother who's also in the bank catches her eye and just with a nod of her head tells her to go back and stand by her mom and don't move. Mm-hmm. But Dr. Mm-hmm. Um, Joy DeGruy, she said that to say that um, back in the day, you know, it was unacceptable or not not as acceptable for our kids or not safe for our kids to go run off without the protection of their parents. Absolutely. And, and, that's, and that's, I completely agree because that's socially ingrained. And think about how heartbreaking that is where right. there's there, there's this code to where kids can't even be kids. Right. They have to, you have to start with them early on um, make sure they stay inside the parameters and the boundaries of what is mm-hmm. deemed acceptable social behavior for a black kid. Right. There is a, um, a documentary by Dr. Henry Louis Gates, I believe it's called, um, rivers of other sun, something like that but it basically walks you through it's a 10-part documentary that walks you through the history of black people and we all know the big stuff but there is so much other stuff that you're just not aware of mm-hmm. so even the most woke black person there is more stuff for you to learn because our history is just so ripe with stuff that um, it's important that that history is taught because there's so so much there and on on that point, um, Black Wall Street. So Absolutely. That that is not a lot of attention here lately, right? No, I mean, now, and I'd only heard about Black Wall Street maybe a few years ago, like in mm-hmm. in college somewhere, just on a random day. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Heard about Black Wall Street, and once I learned the truth about what happened and how it happened, I immediately became angry. I'm like, why don't we? Why why haven't we built this back up? Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. we, we had so they for a long time they wanted us to have our own things separate but equal, right? Yeah. And we had that, and in less than a day, it all burned down. Yeah, yeah take, Excuse me, they they burned it down. Yeah, yeah, yeah um, absolutely. And there were murders, and there was never yes. anyone convicted for those things. Yes, and it, it somewhat got washed away from history, right? It kind of got washed away. Right. And I was aware of it, but what really, to me, brought it back to the forefront was the HBO show The Watchmen. 
Right. There was like, saw that. Yeah, yeah first that episode. Kind of, first episode. Yeah, people yeah. like, what? Is, is this a fictional thing? Is it a real thing? And you start Googling, like, oh, no, this was, this was a real, real thing. Right. And so even that, just think about how big a deal that is. So many people were unaware of that. Mm-hmm. So, again, the, the history is so ripe with, with different things. This this comes from the post traumatic slave syndrome syndrome post traumatic slave syndrome um, from Dr. Joy DeGruy again and speaking on the disconnect of Black identity, mm-hmm. um, she said that there's a rift between Africans and she says African Americans but I'll say Black people um, and it's summed up as the cultural difference between I see you and that's a spoken in reverence to one another in Africa and. In the U.S. streets, you can hear the hear us say, "What you looking at?" You know that's that's seen as mm-hmm. a challenge. So, mm-hmm. in, in her story, she talked about her travels to Africa and just her time spent there, and you know how it was normal to look black, how it was normal to you know not be the only black person somewhere. Absolutely. And just the way that they spoke to one another, and one of the phrases that she heard was, "I see you." And as soon mm-hmm. as I saw that, I could only think back to the movie The Avatar with all the blue people. <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> but even even that movie you know got the point across where you know i see you means i understand who you are i'm with mm-hmm. you i see you inside you know this it's a deep 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 meaning it's we're so there's there's a disconnect between i see you and what you're looking at <laughs> mm-hmm. something Absolutely. along the way it was, it was a it was a disconnect um that that really stuck to me so i'm, I'm gonna go back and like i said just finish continue continue reading but i just want to make that point that i do see that there is a disconnect between you know where we came from and where we are now absolutely absolutely and and you think about that because um so it's funny i had that same experience the first time i went to jamaica Mm -hmm. the first thing i noticed was wow everyone looks like me this is this is kind of cool. Like I've never experienced this before, and 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 I, I, I love our country and I love America, even with all of its ugly, ugly warts. Mm-hmm. Um, but to be in that in that place and experience, like I like, wow, that was very, very refreshing to just be somewhere where you felt like you were the norm. Right. It felt it felt, felt really, really really different. And if you think about it, if you, you think about the Middle Passage and the Atlantic slave trade and all that stuff, when our ancestors were brought here, they were stripped of their identity. They were stripped of of their um, cultural traditions and all of those things. Right. And so now, if you if you if you've been taken from your homeland, and now we are three or four generations removed, if no one has worked hard into keeping those traditions going, uh, all that is kind of lost. And who knows, the, the the slave master and all those things may not even want you to keep those cultural norms that you had. So I think there is a disconnect. Uh, it is heartbreaking, but there should not be because we still, although we had these very different experiences, we still have the same root, the same foundational piece. It's just that the black people in this country lost a lot of that and right. have had to recreate it in a really short time. We're talking about 400 years. Mm-hmm. So you've had to recreate culture uh, and redefine it in 400 years. Oh, also while being in a country that made you feel like a second-class citizen for so long. Right. That's a really difficult process to try to go through. And I hate that it's created that disconnect, but hopefully we are all seeing greater connection in our um, 
blackness, melanin, and ethnicity mm -hmm. that supersedes any differences we may have because we were on two different continents. Right, right. right. Um, and with, along that lines, I want to recommend just three books. And one is The Post-Traumatic Slave Syndrome, and this is to the listeners. So one book is The Post-Traumatic Slave Syndrome by Dr. Joy DeGruy. What the another the second book is White Fragility, why it's so hard for white people to talk about racism, and that's by Robin mm -hmm. D'Angelo. Mm -hmm. And the last mm -hmm. is Stamped from the Beginning by Ibram X. Kendi. Gotcha. Hey, you know, I want to say before mm -hmm. before our time comes to an end, I've so enjoyed our conversation is that we are in a um, we're in a moment right now, mm -hmm. and we're in a moment where everyone is paying attention for the most part. Not everyone will agree, but everyone is paying attention. Right. And so it is so important. The protests were taken to the streets. I mean, good job by them mm -hmm. to bring attention to these, to these things and, 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 and try to get some real legitimate legislative systematic change. I think when we think about our encounters with police officers, mm -hmm. it may not be a popular view, but uh, I think most people, a lot of people believe that, of course, most cops are not out to just hurt black people. Most right. cops are not just trying to destroy black culture, right? And, and, and most cops are trying to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. The problem becomes if, if 10% are wrong and that 10% is too much mm -hmm. because the power that lies in their hands is so great that under the right circumstances, they can legally take your life or your freedom. Right. So when you have that great amount of power, there should be high consequences when it is blatantly abused. Mm -hmm. So it's not an attack on all cops are bad, but it is an attack to say if the, if the percentage is 10%, that's still way too high because of the power, uh, the power that they have right. and it's important that we all feel like uh officers are there to serve and protect us while we appropriately support them but also uh not feeling threatened just because our skin tone is darker mm -hmm. when an officer um when an officer shows up so i think that's really 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 important and i understand that many people like to use the bad apples mm -hmm. Uh, the bad apples comparison. Uh, but when you think about bad apples, bad apples come from bad trees, mm -hmm. which would be the system. Mm -hmm. So if you want to, you, you can't just change some of the, 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 the wrongs of police work by getting rid of some bad apples. You gotta, you gotta address the system. Right. Uh, because people, when it comes to police officers, will say it's bad apples. But when it comes to some protesters rioting, they don't say, oh, it's just a few bad apples. They say all of those protesters are bad. Yeah, so you can't, you can't, you can't, <laughs> yeah, you can't adopt it when it's convenient for you. Mm -hmm. So I think everyone is creating this, uh, this storyline that all black people are against the police and that's just not true. Mm -hmm. And the reason I know that's not true because so many cops are black. What people are saying is what we've been getting is not good enough and too many lives of black people have been taken in inappropriate ways mm -hmm. and we want the system corrected so that we don't continue to have these outcomes because we're way past this being enough. That, that's it. That's it. It's, it's the system. It's, it's the system. And hearts too. I mean, you can do all the lie detector tests you want, but I mean, at yeah. the end of the day, yeah. you know, the lie detector can't really detect what's in your heart. So absolutely. So yeah, I, I agree. Thank you, Doc.
did you have anything to anything to plug? So uh, I think you already mentioned this, but uh, I am the owner of the Davis Counseling Center, which is a counseling private practice located in Addison, Texas. And if you don't know what that is, you know where Dallas is, you know where Addison is. It's the same place pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, it's myself and uh, four other clinicians as well. And we see um, a little bit of everything from kids to adults to couples and all that stuff. Uh we enjoy being culturally competent. We have a very diverse staff, and that was on purpose. And so everyone here uh, really puts a, a a high importance on making sure we are able to serve all people, all people if we can. And so our website is thedataiscounselingcenter.com. You can reach out to me or reach one of my colleagues. They are all, all, all fantastic. And um, I thank you for this for this stage and this conversation. I really appreciate being able to kind of, uh, as they say, chop it up with you a little right. bit. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. <laughs> um, now this is great. Thank you, doc. Um, each time I do a show, different, different professional therapists, I'm, I'm learning something new. Yes. Yes, absolutely. We've done a great job so far. So I'm looking forward to uh, your, all your future endeavors. Appreciate that. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Black Mind Chronicles. I hope you heard something today that helps put your mind at ease about talking to a licensed professional and to know above all else that you are not alone. This show was produced and edited by myself, Chase Jackson. Subscribe and download the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow the show on Facebook at Black Mind Chronicles and on Twitter at Chronicles Black. Or you can follow me on Twitter at Chase underscore J 92. Until next time, this has been Black Mind Chronicles. <laughs>